afternoon or good evening, depending on what time you're listening to this, and welcome to Go Ask Your Father, the podcast for dads, by dads, and about dads. Let's kick off this episode the way we kick off every episode, by promoting the show. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can get your daily dad joke, join in on the discussion around the podcast, and find out when future episodes will be airing. You can find it at Go Ask Your Father Podcast. Before we introduce our guest for this week, a little bit of dad news. One of our past guests, Seth France, just completed his hike, raising over $7,000 for eight another. Congratulations, my brother, and I'm glad you survived the elements. I know it rained a lot while you're up on the mountain. Also, I'd like to take a moment and extend a congratulations to the one and only DC Defender, who made his final evolution into the Dad Defender with the birth of his son Gabriel last week. Congratulations to you and your wife, James. And welcome to the Fraternal Order of Fatherhood. Last week, Caitlin and I let you into Bobby's world, discussing his diagnosis and how he has been doing so far. Part of that discussion we touched on was talking about music therapy. A lot of dads of special needs kids don't really know much about music therapy, and in all honesty, neither did I until Bobby started working with his therapist. I thought that perhaps this would be a good topic for our second episode in Autism Awareness Month so we can shed a little light on the practical application and what music therapy is all about. With that in mind, we need an expert. And who more of an expert than Bobby's own therapist? We met her during the bracket challenge. She's part of the Voices of Fire Choir and her debut single, The Ride, is coming out next month. Let's welcome back to the show, Megan Buman. Megan, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. And you know what? We're actually doing this live and face-to-face so the computer won't go out this time. Yes. And you'll like disappear <laughs> at the end of the episode. Right. Or log on to your or account. Or log on to my account. <laughs> and right. we'll spend about 45 minutes trying to figure out right. how to make this work. Not this time. Not this time. <laughs> it's just right here, right, right now, getting it done. Love it. <laughs> so the, the first question I think a lot of uh, people have when it comes to music therapy is a very simple one. And that is... What is music therapy? What is music therapy? Yeah. So music therapy, the here's your textbook definition, is the use of music to achieve non-musical goals. So it's similar to other types of therapy. We've got recreational therapy, occupational therapy. Um, but music is using exactly that. We're using music to help with emotional goals, with motor skills, language um, comprehension. All sorts of different populations um, benefit from music therapy. And it's actually been around um, as a field since about World War II. So it's been around for a little while. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot longer than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, World War II, really? Yeah. So they were using it, um, and it wasn't, you know, called, it wasn't music therapy as we know it today, right? But it was, they were using music um, for soldiers who had been either mortally wounded or just in a really bad shape. And so the nurses would sing or play music for them to kind of ease their suffering and to give them a quality of life. Um, and so that was the first kind of recorded use of music as medicine. Um, and then from there, it's kind of just grown into this field and there's a, a board and there's a certification board as well. So, um, we're definitely a lot more of a, legitimate field um exciting virginia news you know we just passed licensure for music therapy this past year so we're definitely gaining traction and gaining recognition that's fantastic and in all honesty this is definitely a field that is worth exploring if you ask me uh what got you interested in music therapy 
So I have always just loved music. I've always been very connected to music. When I was younger, I would use music as my own form of therapy. So, um, you know, when I was in middle school and in high school and just being a teenage girl going through all of those emotions, I would songwrite and I would, you know, not realize then that I was really processing my own emotions and getting myself through, um, you know, whatever it was that I was going through at that time. And so I kind of had that you know, realization and that knowledge of music being so effective for my own life. But then I decided to um, study vocal performance. And so I went that route and I, and I got my bachelor's in vocal performance and, you know, knew I wanted to do something with music. Fast forward probably three, four years from that, um, music therapy was kind of knocking at the door and, and it was always in the back of my mind. And so I um, decided to pursue it and it was been the best decision in my life, honestly. So you said that you got your bachelor's in vocal performance. Mm -hmm. Did you need to go back to school for music therapy? I did. So I found uh, what's called an equivalency program. Um, and it was through the uh, university was St. Mary of the Woods College. And they're actually located in St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. So it's out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it's a, it's a great program. And it allowed me to finish my music therapy education at a distance. And so, and this was prior to COVID. And so, um, you know, we would do all our coursework online and then once a semester we would go out to the campus and do um, in-person learning. But I finished that program in about two years and the only prerequisite for that was to have some sort of degree in music. So if you had a music ed degree or a performance degree or a composition degree, then you could do this program, which is about, again, two years and you could get your equivalency bachelor in music therapy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, you touched on earlier uh, what led you to become a music therapist, but what was the, the steps like from beginning? Yeah. I have an idea. This is what I want to do to I'm now board certified. Right. And what you can do with music therapy. So there's a few different ways to get to that point. Um, the way that I did it was a little bit atypical, but I had my degree in um, a music, some sort of music, so it was vocal performance, um, and then I was able to find the equivalency program. There's uh, a, another maybe less complicated way to do it would be, you know, if your heart is set on music therapy right out of high school and you're ready to go and commit to a four-year university and get your bachelor's in music therapy, um, as long as you've got that degree, whether it was through equivalency or through a four-year program, um, the next step is going to be doing what's called clinical work or your, what they call practicums. And um, in my case, because I was doing a distance learning program, it was really actually nice because they set me up with music therapists in my area. And they said, okay, you're going to work with this person for four or five weeks, you know, getting, just getting to observe. And, and then you're going to work with this next person with a completely different population for another couple of, of weeks. And now you're going to start to co-lead. And then you're going to work with this third person for a couple weeks. And then by the end of that, you're going to be leading and planning your own sessions. And so after you complete those practicums, then you do a six-month internship. Um, and so I did my internship at my current place of work, which um, was also just really nice to be able to transition straight from internship into my career. Um, but you can complete your six-month internship anywhere that um, is approved by the board of um, the American Music Therapy Association, um, which is AMTA or musictherapy.org, excuse me. 
but they kind of list, they have a whole plethora of information as far as what universities are recommended. They can um, help you find a music therapist in your area. They have lots of research, lots of information, but um, once you take your, once you do your six, six month internship, then you're eligible to sit for the board exam. Um, and that's the final step to becoming a board certified music therapist is passing that exam. It's um, all multiple choice, but don't let that fool you because it was still pretty, pretty <laughs> tricky. And it, you know, we're learning all about the applicable, applicable use of music in therapy. So for me, I kind of put all the, um, you know, music ed information, co building chords and all the stuff that I learned in undergrad, kind of put that away, but they mm -hmm. dig that back up in the exam. They're like, you know, you need okay. to remember how to build this chord. So, um, yeah, but that's kind of in a nutshell, how the one-on-one -on, -one on how to become a music therapist. Gotcha. So if anyone's actually interested in that, mm -hmm. at least you have no idea what the path is to becoming a music therapist. And it's something, like I said, it's, it's, why is it not very well known, music therapy, you in know, your opinion? Yeah, I, I really don't know, um, other than just not being recognized nationwide, I think. You know, things like rec therapy, speech therapy, OT, those are across, you know, across the board, you, sh you know, those are recognized like fields. Like when a child is first diagnosed or has the developmental delays, the sure. first things you're told, and especially with us, right. the first thing we were told that we should seek out is speech therapy, mm -hmm. occupational therapy. Right. And because I think that's the generalized, exactly. oh, this will work. Right. But right. there are also some kids where that doesn't work it for doesn't. them. Right. So... So yeah, I think it's a state by state thing because like like I was saying, Virginia just got on board with licensure, but states like Indiana, they've been licensed, their, you know, music therapy is covered by insurance. So it's just I think it's kind of one of those things where the other states have to catch up to yeah. to really recognizing that this is a research evidence-based field that really does work. Um, you know, and it's it's not a to replace any other type of therapy necessarily. But it's, it offers a way to achieve those same goals, but in a non-threatening and kind of some, somewhat fun way. I mean, you know, not to say that we're just having fun all the time, but music is typically an enjoyable thing. And so I think it kind of increases the motivation to engage in the therapy because it doesn't necessarily feel like therapy sometimes. I would have to agree with that. Yeah. Because like, like what you were saying earlier when you were saying that uh, especially in your teenage years mm -hmm. when you're writing music and creating that therapy for you. Right. I think about my teenage years and the amount of bands I've been in mm -hmm. and friends who were musicians. We were all doing that at one point or another yeah. in our teenage years. Right. So, um. Let's count. One. Here you go. Give it a try. Two. Three. Four. So how long have you been doing music therapy? I've been board certified for about three years. Um, I'm currently working full time as a music therapist in an inpatient mental health setting. Um, and then of course my business partner and I, Danielle, we have our um, private practice, Tidewater Music Therapy, that we do as often as we can. Nice. 
Um, so, obviously, we touched on it a couple minutes ago, but when you were saying that this really started close to around World War II, mm-hmm. and that's actually one of the questions I wanted to get at, is music therapy just for adults? Is it just for kids? I mean, is it pretty much for everybody? Or? Yeah, I mean, so I'm biased, and I say that it's for everyone, but, it, you know, the evidence, it is an evidence-based field, and there is, um, you know, research to suggest that music therapy can benefit from birth to death. So um, kids to elderly adults, adults with memory care, um, teenagers, emotional awareness, um, you name it. If, if the music therapist and the client have that relationship, they've built that rapport. Um, then I'm of, I, I believe that music therapy can be, um, beneficial, beneficial to everyone. With that being said, it isn't for everyone. Um, and that's the, um, you know, kind of do your research and see if, if it might be something for you and definitely, um, you know, we love to do assessments first because that really tells us how the client's going to engage with music, what their relationship is with music. Um, but one of the prerequisites I would say to, to kind of deciding if music therapy is for you is do you or the person in mind enjoy music? Do you engage with music? Um, what are your earliest memories of music? And just kind of, kind of starting to tap into um, to your own personal relationship with music and then thinking about how that can be used to reach whatever goal it is that you might be trying to reach. Um, so that was a long-winded answer of saying, yes, it's for everyone. <laughs> it's for everyone. <laughs> uh, i got to admit, this is definitely something, because uh, we had heard of music therapy before we met you and mm-hmm. met Danielle and uh, got Bobby associated with Ty Ward Music Therapy mm-hmm. because our entire family is musical to some degree yeah, or another. Yeah. So being able to get him into some type of therapy that we knew probably would work and work mm-hmm. well for him. I mean, it was, it was definitely a godsend because it was yeah. just something that all of us were kind of hoping mm-hmm. for because speech therapy and occupational therapy, they both work wonders and they were a great baseline, but I truly feel like music therapy is really what kind of pushed him over the edge yeah. and started him to make the kind of progress that uh, he has been making lately. Yeah. Bet. Go! The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. The wheels on the bus go round and round. Obviously, everyone has their own level, skill level as far as music is concerned, from non-existent to savants. Mm-hmm. But do you have to have any type of musical skill in order to benefit from music therapy? No, absolutely not. Um, so as long as you, and you don't even, to be honest, you don't even have to typically, you don't have to like music per se, but... As long as the therapist is able to gauge or get some sort of reaction from you physiologically, emotionally, um, you know, even just through eye contact, then that tells the therapist that something is connecting and something is working. And so, no, you do not have to be a good, uh, you know, an experienced instrument player. No, you do not have to sing. You don't have to carry a note. Um, but if you have ever had an experience with music, if you ever felt something from, a, from listening to a song, um, then that's a pretty good sign that, that music therapy and a music therapist may be able to connect with you in a different way. 
What kind of instruments do you guys normally use as far as... We use um, guitar, piano, and then a plethora of percussion instruments. Um, I One of my favorites is the ocean drum. Um, we use all sorts of hand drums, floor drums, shakers, uh, mallet, xylophones, um, any, any kind of instrument. We use scarves. I mean, things that aren't even instruments. We're using them um, to engage musically, but... The, the top three, and these are the three that you have to learn in order to become a music therapist, would be the guitar, piano, and percussion. And so you have to be what they consider to be competent on each of those instruments, being able to accompany your clients um, on those three. But I like, Danielle and I both have really enjoyed uh, stocking up our instrument collection and, and getting more things because there's just so many beautiful and unique instruments out there. Um, so, yeah. With any type of doctor or any type of therapist, each session is personalized to the client. Yes. But can you kind of give us a description of what a generalized music therapy session looks sure. like? Yeah, so generally, um, we like to open it up. We like to, whether it's a group or an individual, we want to welcome you to the session. So that typically looks like some sort of hello song, some sort of greeting for the client or for the group. Um, and then the bulk of the session is going to be using different interventions. So um, it could be songwriting, it could be playing instruments, it could be um, filling, filling in the blank songwriting, um, it could be just listening to music or dancing along to music, but the bulk of the session is going to be that interaction between the therapist and the client or the clients if it's a group. Um, engaging in music in different ways. And again, like you said, it's a very personalized experience. And so that person or that group is going to have specific goals that they're working on. And within that session, the music therapist is, um, you know, kind of in their head, making, making sure that they're trying to hit all of those goals within the session. Um, and then, so as we get towards the end of the session, just as we want to welcome you to the session, we want to kind of bring it to a close and, and kind of wrap up everything. And so we'll, we'll sing some sort of goodbye song, some sort of farewell song um, to just kind of bring everything to a close. And um, so there's no loose ends. Everything's just kind of finished and, and we can, can move forward from there. What are some of the generalized goals that you might mm -hmm. try and reach with the music therapy session? So some examples would be um, to increase gross or fine motor skills through instrument playing. Um, so for example, playing each of the piano keys with individual fingers for a, for a fine uh, gross motor skill. Um, another example would be to increase um, expression or to increase um, speech, to increase language. So um, we might use fill-in-the-blank songwriting for that, kind of singing a popular song and then leaving out a word or two to let the person then fill it in themselves. Um, another example would be to increase emotional awareness, too. Um, and 
and kind of identifying what emotions are and, and what they sound like, what they look like, what they feel like, um, and kind of helping the person to express in a different way. Um, so those would be maybe some examples of some goals. Those are really good. And Bobby, obviously, because uh, part of the podcast uh, is, well, this episode is uh, we recorded some of your session yeah. with Bobby earlier. Right. And Bobby was Bobby, but he, <laughs> he did uh, do a lot of really You'll solid hear. work Yeah, today, he so, did. He really did. Uh, you should be hearing some of that. What do you think is probably the hardest part about being a music therapist? I think for me, it's, um, so I am a very empathetic person and I think you'd have to be, to be a music therapist. Um, but for me, especially in my full-time work, when I'm working with adults with, um, uh, you know, sometimes can be really severe mental illness yeah. is getting, to, I, w I don't want to say attached, but, you know, just feeling too much. And so there's been times at work where I have to just kind of step away and take a break because I'm taking on what they're telling me and I'm, and I'm taking on and, and, and not able to process it. So, and that's part of being human, but, you know, as a therapist, I think that's been one of my biggest challenges is learning not to take some of that stuff home, learning to kind of separate myself from, um, from my clients and from my work. Um, but it, it's, it's very difficult. It's very challenging because I genuinely care very much about my clients, about my patients, um, and their families. And so it can be hard sometimes to, to really distance myself. But I think on the other hand too, that's what makes me a good therapist is that I do, is that I care, um, and that I genuinely care. So I just have to, uh, you know, not always take that home. I, I can't argue with that considering <laughs> the fact that you're currently sitting in our kitchen. Exactly. <laughs> and you're willing to come on the podcast and yeah, talk about music therapy. Of course. Because not a lot of therapists would take that kind of time and energy yeah. to really want to let people know mm -hmm. what your field is about yeah. and to kind of unmask some of the, the mystery behind it. Right. Because that's... Like next week's episode is going to be about ABA therapy mm -hmm. and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that going into detail, but right. there's like a mystique behind it, almost like a cloud over it. Yeah. So being able to actually talk to a therapist one-on-one -on -one and having your questions answered. Say too, if I can. Oh, absolutely. That. Um, you were kind of talking about how there's a, there's a cloud or a mystery around ABA and the same with music therapy. There's this mystery. What is it? And I think there's a misconception that music therapy is just, um, oh, I'm going to play this guitar for someone and, and sing for them. Yeah. Um, and while that's great and that's, there's very, there's benefits to that and, and that's an excellent, excellent use of musical expression. That's not therapy. Whereas the music therapy really kind of comes down to, um, the education are, you know, do you have the board certification, but also the therapeutic relationship that you're building with your client. So, um, while it may appear on the outside that we're just singing or playing guitar with our clients, 
what you're not seeing is the rapport that's been built, the relationship that's been built, um, and you know the goals that are that are being achieved and being attempted um, through through that whatever that intervention may be. So I think that's a big misconception about music therapy um, because I think everyone, most everyone, can agree that music is therapeutic in itself or can be. And so um, you know one of the goals as a professional is to kind of help people understand that difference between using music as therapy, um, you know, in a, in a setting, but all between actual music therapy, um, within a therapeutic relationship. I think that's absolutely true because a lot of just, you, we've spent the last two years building rapport, Mm -hmm. not just with our son, but with my wife and I Mm -hmm. as clients, because without that comfort level without having that trust with your therapist right like yes it's my son who's doing the therapy but Mm -hmm. we're with him in these sessions right so it's it's just one of those things that you you have to have that trust and it builds up the rapport right uh, and that's why you're part of team bobby that's right now till i got the shirt to prove it yes she does So we're actually putting out new Team Bobby shirts this Ooh. year. Uh, I have not designed them yet. Okay. But, uh, I'm hoping that my friend Jamie of the Firebear Republic will help uh, you with that. Help. Well, yes, yes, okay. Jamie, if you listen to this, and I know you are, <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it if you helped me out there, buddy. Me too, because I I want a new shirt. So yes. So <laughs> thanks, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, obviously, we've talked about uh, kids on the spectrum. Um, We've talked about, uh, obviously, PTSD, uh, uh, older clients. Can music therapy benefit someone who, neurologically speaking, is healthy? Someone who's just kind of... What's the best way? Someone who's, like physically yeah healthy right but, you know maybe I'm, he's just looking for well yeah. and that's the thing is someone who is on the outside appears physically healthy maybe is dealing with something mentally yeah. or maybe you know just wants an outlet to um engage with someone so that's actually a i have a great example for that question um we just received a um a new client who were in, who was interested um and his words, he said, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I, you know, there's, I don't have any kind of a diagnosis. I don't, you know, there's nothing per se wrong, but I would just like to engage in a social environment with music. Um, and so absolutely that can be therapeutic. Um, you know, like we were saying, music, music is just kind of therapeutic in and of itself. And so, um, absolutely. Even if, if there's nothing specific that you're working on, um, or that any specific goal you want to achieve, um, but you just want to have that interaction with the music therapist, or you, maybe a group setting, you know, building up social skills. It's definitely something that can be can be helpful, and um, you may not even realize it that 
that it's actually helping you with something maybe that you didn't realize you needed help with. So awesome. improving your mood, um, improving your sleep, improving um, social skills. I mean, there's so many, so many benefits to, to music therapy. I'd like to thank Megan for coming back to the podcast and sharing her experiences within the field of music therapy. If you think you or your child might be interested in exploring music therapy and live in the Hampton Roads, Yorktown, Newport News, Williamsburg, and Gloucester areas, you can reach out to Tidewater Music Therapy for more details. It's uh, You guys are on Facebook? Yeah, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at Tidewater Music Therapy. Um, we can be reached via email at TidewaterMusicTherapyVA at gmail.com. Um, by phone, 757-679-9023 and www.tidewatermusictherapy.com. Fantastic. Megan, once again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for answering some of my questions and also some questions from, uh, obviously, dads who want to know what music therapy is all about. We truly appreciate your time. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Rob. We'll be back next week where we'll be discussing ABA therapy with another special guest. But until then, Bobby, say bye-bye. Bye-bye.